I think we have to bring this like a right here. Yeah. Bring this so, here. Bring okay. This. Should we just I think the best recordings of podcasts that have always gone, are we started? So let's just yeah. we've started. We've started. And we're waiting for Jack to come. Jack, aka Crocodile Bundle. Yeah, yeah he's listening. And so we're just practicing. Well, the reason we the reason we decided to start a podcast is uh, Gus or Angus for short, and I have heads for radio, and so we we thought we you know if if there's anything the podcast scene needs, it's another two straight white men giving opinions. Yeah, and we thought we'd fill this vacuum and not mansplain uh, per se, but explain things in a way that people less than us will understand. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's that was satirical for anyone who didn't get that. Uh, yeah, but what we want to do with the podcast is Gus and I, men of uh, not many talents, uh, aka we suck to suck, and we want to get people on who have talents and do not suck, and sort of break that tall poppy mold of people keeping to themselves their achievements. Would you say that's right, Gus? I'd say that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your view? I don't know. You've gone so well that I feel like I have to be. Quite performative now and keep it rolling, but I think we can do another take. I think we can do another take. That's what I want to do. But let's just keep keep it in the mold for now. See what it yeah, it sucks to suck. It really does. Can you come in, Jackie? Yeah. He doesn't look. Like he looks kind of. Sick. He didn't. He didn't have that roughness. He, around he hasn't got. I dare I say, the agricultural swagger that I'm expecting. <laughs> I haven't met Jack, yeah. um, but I'm looking forward. Should I? Uh, how I met him? Yeah, go ahead. And before you do that, is we should I think we should use this take. You think so? I think we back ourselves. Really? Yeah. No. That's well, not. We can do we it. Can? We, we, there's, a, there's a lot of fluff. There's someone listening at home right now while they're like going for their morning job. Yeah. It's probably like, are these guys that's gonna take themselves seriously? But or? also uh it's organic. <laughs> you know, we're in the fresh produce section. Yeah. We lack pesticides. We do. And I was just thinking before all the editing's going on because I hate the I'll, I'll never be listening back. I very much love the sound of my own voice as well. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think that's better then. Mm. Um, I don't know, maybe the lived experience of sucking is something that we should focus on for a Yeah. Do we want to walk in the country? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we do. I think I think this is all in practice, but just in case it's not. Well, if this is a good, I think we should. You think so? Uh, I just what, wanna, what happens when I have to go grab? You know, then, you know. I'll just, I'll just, you'll just, you'll just, I'll just. Rip. I'll leave you to entertain. Um, so, if this is a take with you, I think it'd be appropriate. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, I just want to pay my respects to Elvis past and present, emerging of the Ngunnawal and Yambri people. Um, I think it's a really powerful thing from the Indigenous culture, their ability to pass on knowledge through stories, and I think that's the key. To all podcasters to pass on knowledge through stories. I think that's something take from them. Um, yeah, just really, and also pay respect to the land I come from, the Radru tribe back in the parts. Um, and saying that, Gus has just gone to get our crocodile dundee cover. Um, if this is a take we're going to use, I don't know if it will be, but um, yeah, just want to pay respects to those who came before us and just really value what we can learn from them and that our sovereignty was never ceded. Um, currently, I'm in the room alone. With my own thoughts, always a dangerous game. We've got Crocodile Dundee. I've never actually met Jack, so this will be interesting because I'm from Parks, but I'm a fake regional boy who wouldn't know rule if they didn't know the ass. So I'm going to be intimidated to see someone who actually has, you know, a bit of agricultural swagger about them. Um, 
he's a very good looking man, this Jack, by the looks of it. Um, I think we run with this tape. I think we run with this tape. And if yeah. we don't run with it, then we walk with it. So let me introduce you guys. Yeah. Jack, this is Burnsy. Oh, he stood up. That's I a big mark. Of so how are we going to do this? We share the mic. This might, yeah, this might get quite interesting. But as I said, he's a good-looking man. Oh, he is. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. He should yeah. be on TV. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the way I met Jack was a couple of weeks ago. So I'm a third year at Fenner, and I was in the kitchen in Oweek, and I saw Jack. And Jack is very much aesthetically off the John Foot. You know? Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> so Jack, see him. I think you were cooking bacon and eggs or something like that. You know, you're six four. You're good looking guy. Got a good I don't know about six four. Yeah. He's got a good pair of bacon. The listeners, you know, backwards hat on, sharpest jawline you'd ever see. And this is completely honest, Jackie. I thought I'd walk up to this guy, introduce myself, and we'd just chat for five minutes. More of a Chad than a Jack. Exactly. No, 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 no. I could not have been more wrong. So I'm going to stop talking now and I'm going to leave it up to you. But that conversation kind of inspired Bernsey and I even wanting to do this podcast because I was like, holy shit, the world needs to hear this guy's story. You know? I'd say he's a motif. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're trying our best here. So, Jackie? Well, you did something that, you know, as soon as you get me talking about anything that I'm extremely passionate about, Wildlife and particularly reptiles. So, if anyone at all, um, you know, particularly someone like that, you know, talk about it, my eyes light up. I get so excited. Like, <laughs> I'm so yeah, like, oh, I love he it. just he just went and my inner city Melbourne mind was fucking blown. So, Jack is from Port yeah, Douglas. I'm yeah, I'm from Port Douglas. Yeah, yeah. And so, what got me onto this was, and I have been like singing your praises. I think everyone that's seen me at Badge in the last three weeks has heard the story. Of crocodiles, Dundee. His eyes really. There's a bit of a glisten when he mentions crocodiles. Yeah, yeah. I re- really, really light up. I, I was just so like beyond drawn. Mm-hmm. So I was chatting to you. The first thing we talked about was your job. Yeah. Up, up, back on. Yeah, yeah. So I um I I, I would say that I first started working for crocodiles maybe when I was about ten years old, and um I got a I, initially I, I used to go to the zoo every week. Like every single weekend, um, my parents would always take me down to like the wildlife park. And then end up getting my first pet snake when I was four years old. I now have nine back home. I actually have oh. the biggest bedroom in the house. <laughs> so, <laughs> rest in, I'm lucky with my parents. Um, so I've got a whole wall that's just nine snakes and I absolutely love it. And, um, but yeah, and I started working with crocodiles when I was about 10 years old. And then, um, I got a job at um, the wildlife park when I was 14 beforehand. I was volunteering. And then you kind of work your way up, you know, initially I kind of started presentations with the small crocodiles and then you work your way up and then next thing you know you're thrown to the deep end and doing things like next ray yeah and having some pretty so pretty this is the stuff that i want to be talking about yeah so it's gotten to the point where i've been bringing it up with badger badger is a local father and i get to this point of the story and then i stop because i'm just like it is so rude of me to steal your story and i'm the biggest story thief going around <laughs> but this one this one's completely off the table so the near-death experiences you've had, like that's, that's I've had quite a few. Yeah, so yeah, let's just yeah. go chronologically. I reckon. Yeah, I, I'd probably say that um, I, I I love crocodiles, but I'd say that you know I've got a bit of a soft spot for venomous snakes, just snakes in general. I've um that for me is just like my kind of 
my, my animal. Crocodiles I definitely love, but I've had I've had a couple of very close calls with some venomous snakes. I was put in hospital for five days back in 2019 with a, a bite from red black snake, and that was pretty bad. The red black snake. Uh, for those listeners who don't know what it is, I know what it is, um, but those who wouldn't know, uh, what what are the features of a red they're just a member of the black snake family and literally as their name suggests i mean us Aussies are so creative when it comes to naming i mean it's literally just a black snake or a red mm-hmm. belly and um that's basically that's literally it mm-hmm. so they're, they're in the they're in the genus called sedecus they're like a black snake so their venom is um it it, it, it really messed me up i was i was pretty much like kind of like body stone i couldn't move my muscles i was in a hospital bed i couldn't pick up my phone off the bench i had to get walked to the toilet it just completely screwed my muscles and you, um, got, you got bitten by the snake yeah, and then instantly you know. So off. it was it, it was actually pretty scary. It was probably the first time that I really thought I could genuinely die here. And it was the first time that it, there's um about an hour and a half from where I live, there's a really remote mountain range. And um, I off Google Maps I found this waterfall looking thing that I wanted to hike to. It's about a 27k forward drive track, and then you get to the end of that, and this is through some like um it's highland rainforest, not the kind of lowland rainforest that we get near the beaches back home part of Queensland. So it's really dense. Actually, quite cold, about a 1200 meter elevation. So I then started just orienteering to try to find this place. And this was on the way back down, probably day five. I was on my own. First trip I've ever done on my own. Stupid decision. Never <laughs> yeah. done that again. Yeah. Never done You're that batting again. one for one. Yeah. <laughs> Never done that again. <laughs> and um, yeah, just through a series of unfortunate events and an error purely on my behalf, I, I got nailed on the knuckle. Mm-hmm. And um, I came back. I was so, just. Sorry, did the initial bite hurt, or it's just like the fear of what's going I venomous snakes are, are quite like this. Rubber the black snake would have been one point two meters. It was, you know, quite small. I, I've, I've, yes, I've, that's I've, what I've, I thought when you said one. Yeah. I see a one point two meter snake, and I think that mate, you could be bigger. I've, I've, I did a trip in July to a place that's called the Valley of the Snakes. It was termed by a guy that helicoptered in there in two thousand six. It's an area near Tully, and you can't like hike into it. No one's ever gone back since. And he claimed that in winter, these huge scrub pythons, the largest snake we have in Australia, they get around six meters. Wow. And um, apparently they come out and bask on the boulders of this gorge in winter. And me and a mate of mine, um, we were up in Cape York just beforehand, and um, we were like, you know what, bugger it, let's let's just hike into this. You know that place? No, oh, mate, in the helicopter said that. Yeah, go there. yeah. Oh, yeah. let's go there. We that, like, that's a good right. Like, you the helicopter. <laughs> yeah. like, you know what? Let's just bush bash. That's in. very common man let's of you. Take like a, let's take like a week bush bash in, and sure enough, we did. We found um, I think it was like twelve or so snakes. The smallest one was three meters. Mm-hmm. We yeah. found this one beautiful old girl which we called Nadine and she was five point two. And she was she was huge. She was enormous. Oh, five point two. So that was yeah. So like Certainly a, not small. So a bite from a one point two meter regular black snake it that, that wouldn't phase me. Like if it's if it's not a venomous snake, let's say a one point two meter colubrid yeah. or a small python of some form, yes. that wouldn't hurt. But a five point two meter snake would do some serious damage. So just to fact check a bit of Indiana Jones here, is it the smaller the snake the more venomous the bite um, situation. Not necessarily. Necess- I mean, if if you're going to compare venom dosage, obviously, um, a, like a hatchling, let's let's say a python, inland python, a hatchling inland python has the exact same toxicity of an adult, but there won't be quite as much. So if it, you know, you'll definitely get more venom, and then more venom, more volume, but more toxic is definitely going to do more damage. But still, if you get bitten by a hatchling, like a, a baby, mm. like a python or a baby red belly black, any form of venomous snake. That's just as dangerous as so. Don't ones. put it on the to do list. No, okay. definitely not. I do not <laughs> recommend going by any bit of the snakes. My, yeah, yeah, oh, fuck, you know. And now I'm just thinking, what the hell? <laughs> 
I'm in. The, you're in this door. It's your little. No yeah. offense, uh, you've chosen to be. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I absolutely love it. I yeah, 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 yeah. There is something so romantic and so thrilling about just going a big somewhere where there's no, somewhere there's like no people really go. Yeah. There's something that I just like. I've been through like really remote areas of the Kimberley and like Arnhem Land, trying to find again really rare species. Of snakes, snakes, snakes. Most of the I've done a lot of traveling through Australia. I've been through every state except Tasmania, and I've spent uh, the amount of kilometers that I've driven in other people's cars, in my mm-hmm. car. Um, predominantly looking for snakes, I can't even imagine. Like it's, I've spent a lot of time. Is there a big one? The one that I yeah, yeah so like, that that was like my first oak like moment yeah. because I'm on my own. I'm in a, I'm in a really remote. I, would, I wish we could show you this place on Google Maps so you yeah. can see how remote it is because yeah. it's no service. I have a GPS which allows me to text in no service. So I text my mum mm. and um, I was like. I, all I just said that's like it's got like a little it's got like the little arrow thing so you have to like move and press like <laughs> yeah. up, 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 and, so and like, you love the, to move when bitten by a snake oh, that's what that's what that's the worst thing you do so <laughs> yeah. when, when I first got when I first got bitten I walked back to my bag about like four meters had a hiking pack obviously sat down on the track um, just like to put one bandage on I had three compression bandages I put all three on yeah. um, I was trying to be as calm as possible and I mean my heart was Going through the roof, though. Like it was, yeah. yeah. It was, yeah. It was, have you, have you, have you tried not worrying about it, Jack? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first time I was like, I could genuinely die here. Like, this is a re- no one really comes here. Um, it's three p.m. in the afternoon. Anyone, any bird or tour company that's half in the morning has left. I saw two cars left by the on the walk back down to the top of the twenty-seven k track. At this stage, I was probably like thirty-five k from the bottom. And I'd stop along the creek on the way to get to the creek, but it's a bit of hiking, and um, I mean, that's how. You on these rainforest trips, that's why I love them. To the side, and you don't take any water with you. You just drink straight from the creek uh, up there. It's so high up over here, so chilly. And uh, but yeah, I was five pages from the bottom. I texted my mum just a bit. I didn't know what the text was. <laughs> so cop <laughs> so, that, mum. Just bit straight to straight. The good thing is that when you send this text, it goes to the text message to my mum's phone. On the text message, it says my coordinates. Yeah. So she then alerted an ambulance, and then I just sat there in the road. And they normally have to walk on a gap in Canada, the message to send. Obviously, I can't walk. Yeah. So, um, Venom travels in the entire system, so they only then move basically from your muscle to the track. Yeah. And, um, so it doesn't go into your circle. And you're quite a muscular, muscular man, so you've got a lot of contraction. <laughs> yeah, well, if I walked, then Venom would have moved towards my body yeah. a lot quicker. Yeah. And I would have been in a lot of trouble. Um, so I just sat there looking at this GPS, and it's just got that little circle going around and I hadn't sent, and I just was like, that's it's worse than, you know, the Xbox circle of death. <laughs> I thought, as a kid, that was probably, I couldn't imagine what you were going. This was, it, was, I, it felt like an hour. I feel like, I feel like the message sent probably in about five minutes, but it felt like an hour. Mm-hmm. And luckily my mum was, she, I've got four younger siblings, so her life's mayhem. So luckily she had her phone then. I mean, she could have been oh. God knows where doing God knows yeah. what horses or riding horses with kids or soccer in hands my little brother or sisters so thankfully she was there and had a phone on her and was able to get the ambulance came and got me I was then taken to the nearest hospital which was about a 40 minute drive away down to Mossman and um and then yeah I was then immediately taken to the main hospital, yeah. hospital and then I was then treated by a psychologist there and then that but I was pretty messed up yeah so I had I had Pretty like a burning sensation. I'm really, I used to be a localized pain right at the beginning though. Um, so like on like the hospital trip down, I could feel like a kind of felt like my fingers kind of on fire, like a little bit of glass. I guess. Oh, so it just oh, felt like Lord. really sharp, really yeah. burning kind of pain. 
Yeah, and then that kind of um that kind of went went away. And at, at this stage, sorry, I met the toxicologist when I was at the main hospital, and I kind of like lit up because this guy is um before I before I came to ANU, I went to go into medicine and then um, do a major in toxicology, specialized in toxicology. That's what I wanted to do. I was having the time of my life. Yeah, talking as you do when bitten by venom snakes and everything. Yeah, I was great, but at the same time, I was a bit sore. Um, but after that, it didn't. It, it, I wasn't. I wasn't like nausea or vomiting. It just completely threw my muscles out. Yeah. Um, that was that was pretty weird to be able to you know I did it in bed like I said I couldn't put it on my phone on the table like, it was so like like I don't know how to describe so it so it was like if you went to a catered college the scary thing was though the scary thing was that um I was getting my blood taken really regularly yeah. the scary thing was I didn't even get a full dose of the vaccine so my bite from the regular vaccine was technically a dry bite. So it didn't actually intend to inject any venom. But what happened is there was a tiny amount of venom that you wouldn't be able to see with your naked eye that would have just been on the fangs. And it, that's and that screwed me up that And that's from a red-bellied black, mm. right? And a red-bellied black snake, I mean, Australia, we're, we're pretty lucky. We've got the top 10 in the So lucky. World. We're, I, I feel so For privileged. Me, I feel so privileged. <laughs> I love it. And red-bellied snakes are 20 and 30. Um, yeah. So they're, no, they're not as toxic as the stuff yeah. we've got from them. They're not, they're not first grade. No. no. On coke. On, talking about the first grade stuff though, on on the drive back to Canberra, so um, I was obviously back home. For the Please summer. tell me this snake is very far away. If you're yeah, <laughs> it's extremely far away. Extremely far away. It, you know, if the border where kind of the bottom of Queensland meets um, the Northern Territory, South Australia. Cameron's Corner? Is yeah, that what it's called? A little called? further north of Cameron's yeah. Corner. A little further north in places like that. About 150 k's west of Windora, a little town called Windora. And um, so last year in May, I ditched June because I was in the desert. And I spent I think it was like 14 days, 10 to 14 days, and I drove about 10,000 days. And I spent um, a bit of time over in that area of Windora looking for what's called an inland hyphen, the most venomous snake on the planet. Like in the world. Jeez. Really hard to find in the wild. Yeah. Um, they're looking for such a. Like, no one's ever died from one because no one lives where they live. Yeah. They live in such a remote area. For a good reason. They live in such a remote area and just yeah. plains. It's hell if you're looking for them. Um, you, they're only active in a tiny little window just before sunrise and just after sunset. And sometimes they'll come out a little bit after, but it's too hot. When yeah. I was looking for them, it was just in January, it was 46 degrees. And I'm in a black car. It was, yeah. br- it was brutal. It was so hot. Well, lucky that you, you didn't really need to bring any cooking equipment. You just cracked it yeah, on cracked the roof of your car. Black car. Yeah, exactly. So, two um, birds. That was, it was ridiculous and hot. But I, I, so I spent about two weeks out there last year for them. And then I drove all the way out to Cougar TV, centre of South Australia. After there's three populations in Australia, um, so that was the first population. Then there's one in South Australia. Didn't find them there. Came back to Canberra. Um, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to go back. And that was this trip. So I was, you know, driving from Cairns. I drove to Wollongong in like a day, eight hours, right there. And um, and then the next morning I set out. And it was 24 hours later. The following day, um, I found one. It was about 7 p.m. at night. It was 44 degrees. It was cool. just before sunset. Oh. And it was the most insane snake I've ever handled in my life. Yeah. It was right. flying past my face. It was handled. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so I caught Bit it. high voltage. I caught this in. Yeah. So you've, so, so, so handled, that has hand in the word. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so just, just picture me sitting kind of sitting on the, on my, on my windows down. I'm sitting on my window ledge, hanging out the car, driving about 10 k's an hour. Um, and I'm just like holding the wheel briefly, but just staring about like as far as I can see off the road into the plane. Mm. I'm just looking for the glistening skin, the, that body kind of just like glistening in like the sunlight. 
Um, they, they just come out from below the crack. They live in these huge cracks down, and they just come out and hunt rats, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm just sitting there going really slow, perfect stretch of habitat, and then sure enough, I've seen one maybe like 30 meters off the road. So I've just sprinted out of my car. And, mm-hmm. um, towards the snake. Towards the snake. <laughs> towards the snake. Like, yeah. Sprinted out of my car. That was probably, with, probably without a doubt, this is a very nerdy thing to say, the most excited I've ever been in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could not believe it. Oh, like, God. I could not believe it. You were and, skipping. Um, I, 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 I don't even know what words to use. I was that, I was that happy. How, 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 rough estimate, how many people do you think would have handled the snake like this in um, anyone who's as weird as me and is into reptiles and into snakes is kind of like a holy grail. Everyone who is yeah. in the industry, find a wild inland type, and particularly in this, the, the Queensland population, they're the hardest to find there. Yeah. And, um, you said it really, yeah, 100%. So, I mean, like, how I've been trying to talk about it is that, um, I've been handling snakes for a very long time, mm-hmm. and I, um, I've been so grateful in my life to have a lot of mental taking on their wing from when I was about seven years old and I couldn't try to handle pythons. And we got things which are called colubrids, which are they're not pythons, they're similar to venomous snakes, but they don't have any venom. They don't have yeah. venom. Um, but they behave very similar to venomous snakes. Um, so they're, they're very quick, very agile, um, more than more so than pythons. Pythons are like really lethargic. Yeah, pretty trained, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and then, pads on? Yeah. And then I think I caught my first venomous snake maybe when I was about 13 or so. Snake. But you kind of work your way up. There's a bit of a hierarchy happening. Yeah, you know? yeah. Because other pythons, you work up the hierarchy. Black snakes are like very easy to Black read. snake, come on. Yeah. Yeah. We have photographic. Okay, good. Yeah. Because I was sitting here saying. Wow. How did you go? It, and this puppy, with, with, without a doubt, um, like I'll, I'll definitely admit, well, I'm definitely trying. It, I'm kind of like low-key talk to myself only when I handle something like this. The python genus. There's three species of python in Australia. The one is the one called a, called a coastal python. I get them in the back home. Um, they are arguably the most difficult snake in the entire world to handle. They are the top of the hierarchy. There's like a hierarchy. Um, you can kind of say of difficulty, but they're mm-hmm. like a perfectly balanced Formula One car. It's like batting in cricket, and every Australian snake is like facing 110 k's an hour. Yeah. And every python species is like facing 160. Not only does everything happen faster, but they also have some really, really weird behavior. They do not follow the same pattern that every snake does. They do the most unorthodox, just plain weird stuff at the most insane high speeds. So I have to be, I, when I caught that inland python, it was at 44 degrees, right? So. Ruffles are echothermic, they get their heat on that dust in the sun. So you can just imagine how wired this thing was. Prime time. This thing was just... It, it was, was It was like, dare I, I have, say, I gas have, after three schooners. <laughs> it was It was cut chaps. It was, it was, it was, it was yeah. yeah. High 100%, 100%, 100%. But this, it, it was, so I I kind of just like, it was, he was just eyeing me off and flying across like, the cracks, right? And just like going straight ahead, but kind of pulling his head as a sliver and pretty quickly. I'm waiting for kind of like the perfect moment um, where I can kind of get my tail and get under control. And the whole reading thing works, but you can you can read what it's about to do before it does it based on the head posture's tongue, the shape that it's in. You can feel the muscles tense. You can, so you can know, you're picking up all these little cues and you know what it's going to do before it does it. And then it's a matter of holding it in this like kind of like an angle, just 
switching hands and you're basically dodging that pump. Pretty much. Fencing. And then what can I ask? Yeah. Um, in that situation, what's the experience? What do you do? Um, in that situation, I'm about 150 odd pages from the nearest town. Um, I do have the flying doctor. Like that's mm-hmm. the only that's the only thing you can do is get the flying doctor. Um, there was two options that I probably would have done. Um, I, one, depending on where I got bit, if I got bit on the arm or something, definitely try to get out of there. If I got bit anywhere like my face or my chest, mm-hmm. where the venom didn't meet and going to get my life ruined, I'd probably do that. There's no, there's no, I mean. There's no easy way to put it, but I'd probably have to, I'd rather try for myself. The yeah. venom would be far more painful than that. That's yeah. only if it's on like your face or your chest. If it was on my fingers or something, then. But otherwise, I'd go flying doctor. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what I this is my first time meeting Jack. But uh, the first when I first heard of you, like, Gus comes up to me, wide-eyed, kid in the candy shop, and goes, "I've just met a real life cocktail." And he has said this to I think everyone he's met since. Where is this? Where's this crocodile Dundee chapter? Um, I I grew up in Palm Queensland, and uh, my house was literally a couple hundred meters from the river system from the mangroves. So I have grown up around crocs um, since I was really little. I absolutely love them. Um, but I, there's no animal that I have more respect for. At the same time, they're the only. But I get more nervous working with crocodiles 100 percent than I do with snakes, and um. And I, I, I kind of, I kind of um, can't really pick it up by the tail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, there's, there is something absolutely like you know, handling a typhoon, it's pretty intense. But having a five wreck it, having, yeah, yeah. having a five point two meter crocodile charge out at you from the water when you're feeding it at the park, that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. I, I love crocodiles. That scares the shit out of yeah, me. Yeah. Like that, the, it's just it blows you away. It's exciting, but it's absolutely terrifying. So and then we worked with two. Yeah, so I've worked at I've worked at three. I've worked at one that was kinda of close to my house, much more bird orientated for the wildlife habitat, and then had one called Hartley's, which was almost exclusively crocodile orientated. There are half a crocodile park, close for tourism and half a crocodile farm. Then I also did this one which was kinda of like a private zoo where I'd go and do talks and stuff for two of you. And um so I did those since I was really young. And um but yeah, I had a number of people kind of take me under their wing and um I'd go kind of go out and start with, with catching crocodiles and um you know, we've got two species here in Australia, you've got fresh crocodiles, we've got saltwater crocodiles. So when I was little, you know, you start with the obviously the fresh crocodiles, they don't grow as big, you know, they just um get in there like, you know, you can catch a crocodile and I was like protozoal for my first one, it was like thirty centimeters. Yeah, I remember So yeah, it was, it, that was a big, <laughs> big moment for me. Back in parks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I jumped it and I was like, Oh that's good. I, I, I still I can remember the feeling. I can yeah. remember the feeling. And then you kind of work your way up. I feel like most of the um, but most of the more near death kind of stuff, I guess, has happened happened at the park. And um, the really exciting stuff is when we have nest raids. Yeah. So that, what does that mean? So anyone who's worked with crocodiles at yeah. any zoo will tell you that nest raiding saltwater crocodile nests is the most intense, terrifying, experiencing kind of do. Yeah. We so we close the park on a day. It's not open to the public, and um. Um, basically, you have this one big kind of like lagoon, and um, this is all all the different zoos do this as well. They'll they'll close. They have sections where they'll then um the basically there's a bunch of males, and um so we have I think three or four males that were in a lagoon, and there's about twenty odd females, and then boys would just cycle their way through, I guess. And yeah. um so yeah, you then basically so total crocodiles they kind of um dig a bit of a mound on the waters on the water's edge, only a couple of meters, a couple of meters back. So obviously if it floods. The eggs will drown. Mm. Um, 
lanes that are normally not that close to the water. Um, so yeah, basically what you, what you're doing is you're going in armed with a stick. Ideal. Yeah, yeah. against yeah. against a however big crocodile, you yeah. got a stick. So you got a, you got a stick and a bunch of mates in a boat, and you jump out with a bucket and a pencil, and you dig the nest apart. You're um you have to be really careful with crocodile eggs because if you so you basically how they're laid, the embryo then attaches to the top of the egg. So if you move the egg right, and when you put it into the bucket, the embryo drowns the crocodile. It's not going to hatch, yeah. right? And um, so at the same time, you're focusing on make sure you get the right orientation of the egg in the bucket. And in the back of your mind, is like, hmm, I wonder where the mum is. It's it's weirdly oh, yeah. quiet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then so, but like, there's a oh, there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys around. And um, and I, I never started doing the dangerous, dangerous part. In the very beginning, you've got to work your way up. Yes. But I have done that before. Um, and I had this one particular kind of time. Where I just just imagine staring down at this like mound of leaves, you're cornered apart, looking down at some white eggs, and you're sitting there with a pencil and another guy right there, <laughs> putting them into a bucket, and then you hear the guys in the boat scream, right? And oh, and then the female oh, comes dear, flying out in the water. They're trying to whack it with a like, whack with a stick. Obviously, isn't going to do shit. Yeah. And then I've turned around, right? And this is in a little section where picture like a little strip of land, and you got water either side. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'd I'd say it's probably about Maybe, maybe seven or ten meters, kind of, kind of wide, and then um, I've turned to run that way, right away from where she's charging from. Yeah. And good area to run. As to. I'm going that way, obviously there's water, and sure enough, the biggest male in the lagoon <laughs> oh, is sitting right there. Yeah. So I've almost gone flying straight into his face. Yeah, and obviously, not ideal. Obviously, then I would have been dinner, and there's yeah. nothing the guys can do yeah. besides watch. Oh. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> So got they to, just have to watch you. you sucks know. to suck, if yeah, you will. Suck. Pretty much. So I then just went, I kind of just like did a bootleg and then went straight up on that way and got a tree. Yeah, well, and, I just um, climbed up a tree. That's yeah, kind of like, I wasn't like, I wasn't like high up. I was kind of like, like really awkwardly hanging. And, um, but yeah, the, the mum was not happy. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. A bit angry. Yeah, so that was, that was pretty scary. I've had a couple, um, I've had a couple in the wild as well with mates. Obviously, um, I've got a bunch of my mates back home and you know, we're all up there fishing. You know, barramundi is the holy grail back home, mm. and um, there's nothing, nothing tastes like saltwater barra. It's just beautiful. So where we were, obviously growing up, you know, in inlets, um, fishing a ton, and when you're fishing a ton of North Queensland, you want to see those crocodiles. And um, also we'd and stay out at night and then just cruise on the river in a way too small of a tinny with a two and a half horsepower motor, and this thing sits like this high above the water, and you're just cruising along and. Ridiculously slow pace. Uh, arms and legs in the vehicles are the It's place. pretty. It's, yeah. it's a bit sketchy, one hundred percent. And I've had a, a, you know, there's been I've been around some mates that have done some some silly stuff. There's definitely some I've got some friends that are one hundred percent crazier mm. than me. Yeah. You know, like for instance, you know, if picture a large, I would say around four men male. You know how on, on the edge of a riverbank it kind of erodes. Yeah. yeah so yeah. he's sitting up on an eroded bank, and he just turned the spotlights off at night, and um, turned the motor off, and just drifting in the middle of the river, and pops out of the boat. Jumps into yeah. the water yeah. and just swims to the bank, about maybe like ten meters up from where the big drop is sitting, oh. and then just climbs up behind the trees and we can hear the odd little rustle. Yeah. And we can't. We're not shining the torches. And then the next thing you know, just this thing flies off the bank and spook jumps into the water, almost tips the bloody boat. Yeah. <laughs> oh. tips the boat. So that was dumb. Um, <laughs> just for fun. <laughs> Sorry, that was there was no purpose. That was just him. Oh, he wanted. That was no. That's, 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 that's NT. That was that was him just trying to like go. Oh, I want to see if I can touch 
Scott's tail. Yeah, I wake up some days oh. and think oh, I would scare the shit out of him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's on. That is... scare the shit out of him. <laughs> okay. So. But but it, it, we almost me and my mate in the boat we almost the boat almost capsized. Yeah, and then so there's, long. there's this thing that you made me aware of that I had no idea even existed. Yeah, called the death rock. Yeah. So if if any of you have ever been to a crocodile park, um, if you haven't, I'd recommend going. There's nothing like seeing solid crocodiles feed or watching a crocodile attack show or a show at a zoo. It is amazing but terrifying, right? To see what these animals can do, it's you're just in awe. And um, so what you were explaining a death roll. So how a saltwater crocodile actually hunts their prey, so to speak? They're not like sharks, like a great white that'll come out and take a chunk out of a seal, and come out and take another chunk. People go straight through it. Saltwater crocodiles, when they're large, they have very blunt teeth and not sharp, but they have an extremely high jaw pressure. The highest one ever recorded is like a small car landing around pit, right? Oh. So what? It, what it, <laughs> it's four thousand pounds because four and a half thousand pounds is the strongest one ever. So oh. literally like a like a car landing on your arm or your leg. Plus uh, the teeth. You probably, honestly, you probably wouldn't even feel like it would just shatter every nerve. Every yeah. it was just it'd be oh, quite a pleasant good. experience. And then it's honestly like the age-old question that we'd always ask at the park: Do ever not which great white shark or a crocodile? Which which way would you want? Hundred percent, I'd go the croc because it would then it'd be no, neither of the way is good. But what a crocodile would do? So if, let's say you're a wild boar going take through. Take out the dinosaurs. <laughs> 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 say you're a wild boar going for a drink at a river system, and um, yeah, it just comes out of nowhere. And you just get drowned. They don't like fresh meat, so normally they then stash you under a um a log that it comes up for two days, and that's where the death roll then comes out. So they obviously can't chew, so they do what's called a head shake, where they kind of get a piece, lift their head out of the water, and do this crazy crash, probably with a piece off, or they then do the death roll. But that normally doesn't come until after, depending on what they've eaten. Um, obviously small crocodiles um don't really do the death roll that often, unless unless they're eating something like a snake that's Right. It's only the bigger ones that have, you know, they've taken down a cow or a buffalo in the NT oh. or like a pig. Or Jack. Or, no, not me. Hopefully. <laughs> touch wood. Yeah. Not me. Yeah. So, um, so, cause I was, I thought that that's how they initially get you is they grab you and they death roll you into the ground. No, so what, what, what happens? So, I mean, we talk about this in, in shows. I mean, yeah. if you ever in North Queensland, you've got to be really clockwise. What happens if you do get bitten, like you get bitten by a frog? Like, yeah. so what they're going to do, they will drown you. Right, they they will not try. They're not like the hyena. They won't eat you alive. Um, they will they will drown you first. Their eyes will sink two and a half inches into a socket in the back of their head. You can hit this thing in the face as much as you want. You can kick it and do whatever you like. They 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 have it. They've had buffaloes try to do stuff. That's not going to do anything. Their skulls like steel. Right. If you've seen two males fight, they head clash. When two males fight over over a girl, they raise their heads out of the water and they just bash heads. It is brutal. Like to see that is insane. Right, so like you can try hit it in the head, it's not going to do anything. And this was watching ABC Three as a kid. Um, I love that show. Here we <laughs> it go. was great. Yeah. And I've brought this out on dinner conversations, and I've been laughed at, yeah. rightfully so. But I've heard if you get your finger up their ring hole, they'll stop. Is that fact or fiction? Okay, let's. Okay, you've got a five meter crop that's got a hole in your arm. Hmm. You're at the opposite end. <laughs> How are you going to get down there? Hey, hypothetically, if How you were going to get down. There? So there is there is one theory there is, there is one theory and that is that there's something called the palatal valve which is basically their tongue instead of ours ours goes out theirs goes up to the back of their throat yeah. so you got to push that down hypothetically water flows into their lungs and they'll spit you out but no one's ever been like yeah I'll test that theory yeah <laughs> everyone's died yeah pretty um, much so I mean I've I'm, I'm I've so but no one's ever tried the the, the rear end theory. I don't know. I, I've never even heard that yeah. theory. So. I heard on ABC 3 so it's interesting. Yeah. Okay, interesting. No, because I don't. 
if you've got a five meter croc or a four meter croc, it's about two meters down its body. Fair one. So I don't know how you're gonna how you're gonna be getting there. So, but the, 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 oh, that's apparently so the, the best tongue one. You try and push that. You gotta try get a stick or something back down its throat with your arm. I don't know anything you can find, but and try try push it down. Usually, water will flow into your slice. So, the, but don't whatever you do if you're gonna try and poke its eyes out. And good luck. They yeah. do go almost three inches back into a softening the skull. So as soon as they bite anything, so yeah. That's, they're, they're pretty they're, they're, they're pretty scary, pretty terrifying. So avoid them all together is what I'm hearing. So my next question is how does Mr. Crocodile Dundee function? Yeah. Oh, okay. How does he do it? How does he do it? Look, I, I there's definitely... Um, when the real problem is the consent increase in the price of... Oh, that's pretty... Oh, which is outrageous, might I add. For certain reasons. It's 30 cents, but yes. Yeah. 100%. Point taken. How, how do we go about... For me, for me, you know, I... I used to take an hour and a half just to get to school each day. You know, a most narrow of that drive was just along beaches on a bus just to get to school through high school. I mean, I lived a couple hundred meters from the mangroves and the river system. I, I lived the other way. You go about 800 meters and you're in a mountain range called creeks and everything. So for me to then come live in a city, I mean, Canberra's not much of a city compared to something like Melbourne, Sydney. Yeah, um, <laughs> for me, this is, it's a, such a different lifestyle. Yeah. And um, there's definitely times where I, I, I just, Crave being in a really remote environment. I just crave being in the outside, and outside for me isn't you know going to the botanical gardens. Yeah, like that's Sully's Creek. That's exactly. I mean, that's those ducks. Though, they're pretty nippy. They the go. Duck. They go for your ankles. <laughs> yeah, and the swans. Have you had the swans? Party? They're even more terrifying. Oh man, no, those swans. Those sw swans scare me. Not gonna I lie. Don't, I don't mind a five meter croc, but a big swan. A big. That they are scary. They're pretty terrifying. No, but um, like I, I have a car down here, so I'm able to. You know, Occasionally head out when I have time on the weekend, um, do a bit of a drive out towards like Manchu or something, yeah. and go look for snakes or a bit of a, a hike out there. Did you uh, ask me all the snakes anywhere? I actually thought about bringing one down this year. I knew, I assumed. There's I, enough snakes in Fenner, might I? I don't know <laughs> anyone from Fenner, so I'm just there. Yeah. <laughs> staring, staring. No, um, I, I, I didn't think that would go that well. I mean, it'd be, I, I would love to have one in my room so I could like study like let it out of the enclosure and people like just cruise yeah. around and just vibe just like chill and um i have nine back home and um, so my brother's looking after me yeah. at the moment so i wouldn't you mind being able to take one down yeah. look i i'm gonna be honest i definitely miss my dogs more than i miss my snakes i do love them. i have three dogs back home i do have quite a, I have quite a few animals back home there's a bunch of horses and stuff as well yeah. i've never had a I mean, like my dogs and snakes, do you mean? Yeah. I mean, the dogs are very kind of like snake wise. They're not the kind of dogs that's going to go attack or kill a snake. They're kind of trained to know. If I get them and snakes around the house. Um, we get coastal pipe ends. My house is surrounded by cane fields. And then um, horizontally, cane just goes out. And then if you go like the other way, so north to south, like you've got that, like literally, like 200 meters away is, is like literally a river system of mangroves with like a barra, mud crab. I don't have dinner and we don't have. You just go down there, chuck a crab pot in the afternoon, and come back and eat like six mud crab for dinner. And mud crab is amazing. Um, barramundi is definitely the best. I absolutely love barramundi. And um, so yeah, to then live in such a, I grew up just in the bush, and um, I've done so many trips again in the bush. And for me, the best ones are the remote ones, getting where you know there's no people to look at. That's good, right? I think. I think. My. 
that's incredible. I just uh, thank you for your time. Thanks yeah. for thanks for inviting that's, me on here. It's great to come over and have a chat. I love yeah. talking about what I'm passionate about. So yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and thank you to I our three all our three listeners. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Mum. Uh, I'll have a lot of washing on you. My mum. But holy, uh, like Struth is the only word I have for that. Crikey, crikey. Yeah, so should, we, should we wrap it up? Yeah. Um, thank you for listening to Sucks to Suck. Um, us on this side of the table definitely feel like it sucks to suck. But um, thank you, Jack, for not sucking and uh, allowing us a bit of an insight into your out, 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 outlandish life. Thank you. Thanks, Bill.